eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? Good morning. Afternoon evening brunch time lunch time a lot going on time this isn't always the uh busiest time of the year time but uh sure seems like it is right now time whatever time of day it is boys and girls it's the right time for the go vols 24 7 podcast west rucker coming to you from fort rucker studio here on just an absolutely gorgeous mid-may afternoon here at fort rucker studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, just a couple of miles, 1.9 miles, I believe, as the crow flies from here to Neyland Stadium, Thompson Bowling Arena, Lindsey Nelson Stadium, where, of course, Tennessee plays football, basketball, and baseball. And why do I say that? Um, because this is going to be a rare episode where we discuss all three uh, of the major sports at Tennessee, We will, or all three of the major men's sports at Tennessee. We're going to discuss a little Tennessee football portal news, uh, because there's always things going on in the portal, portal, portal. Then we're going to discuss a little Tennessee basketball uh, with Grant Ramey here in a little bit to discuss uh, some news. A couple of five-star visitors coming to campus, a couple of five-stars moving to Tennessee to start their careers in that touted second-ranked nationally signing class that the Tennessee's brought in. And then in the final segment, we're going to to, to leave the Govals 24-7 immediate family, go to the extended family, and we're going to discuss Tennessee baseball with our good friend Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel because the fourth-ranked Vols are hosting top-ranked Arkansas this weekend uh, for a three-game series at Lindsey Nelson Stadium Friday, Saturday, Sunday between the SEC East leaders and the SEC West leaders, a couple of teams that are hoping to go to the College World Series this season. Certainly a huge, huge baseball series uh, with full capacity now because they're going to have uh, they've they've uh, they've sort of done away with the COVID stuff at least for now in terms of the restrictions in the stadium for attendance. So for the first time all season, it will be 100% attended. So uh, they're going to expect three sellouts. A big weekend for Tennessee, probably the biggest weekend for Tennessee baseball in a long time, if we're being honest. So we're going to discuss that with our good friend Mike Wilson in the third segment because uh, we're going to do three segments on this one because that's just how we have to break it up. Uh, second segment, we're going to discuss basketball with Grant Ramey. But for the first segment, uh, we're discussing Tennessee football, specifically the portal. Uh, and to do that, we're going to go to Goval's 24-7's recruiting czar, Ryan Callahan, down at his clown car full of children across town. Ryan, what's up, man? Hey, Wes. Not much, man. How's it going? Uh, it's going all right. Uh, you can probably hear in the background that my neighbor is mowing uh, his yard right now, and uh, this is 2021, so uh, we have to record these things when we can, uh, when our times are available. And right now, when when the time Ryan and I could both do this today happens to be the time where my neighbor has decided his yard needs to be cut. Uh, from the outside looking in, I can say that it was time for him to mow his yard because I'm big on neighbors mowing their yards appropriately and at the right time. Um, but uh, I'm sort of that guy about that stuff. I hate to be that way, but I am. So I'm glad that he's mowing it. Wish that he had done it a little bit earlier or later, but uh, he did not clear that with us at GoVoss 24-7. That's okay. That's part of it. Ryan, it's been another um, busy week for Tennessee in the portal, portal, portal. We know that Tennessee is uh, has lost, um, I think, more than any other team in college football through the portal, at least guys on the exit going the, going the other way. Uh, but guys coming to Tennessee – uh, that, that's been a thing, too. We, we said this the whole time. The portal door swings both ways, and Tennessee has had another big addition, uh, both, I, guess, I suppose, literally and figuratively in the past week, hadn't it? They have. Uh, Dejon Terry, a defensive lineman who uh, spent the past two years at Kansas, uh, com- announced his commitment to Tennessee on Sunday night, and 
uh, you know, just in talking with people about this, this pickup the past few days, uh, I, I think this is a kind of a, a, I guess you would say under the radar edition, but a, but a sneaky good pickup, I think by Tennessee, uh, because this is the guy who's, whose arrow is pointing up a little bit in his development. I think, uh, you know, just two years at Kansas and he redshirted the first year playing only two games that season, but in year two, this past year made a couple starts played in, I think eight games and, and, and made a pretty good impact as a, as a defensive tackle at Kansas. And, and the other thing you like about that, though, is this is the guy who's fairly young in his football development because he only played football for one season in high school. Uh, didn't play until his senior year. He was a basketball guy before that. He weighed, he weighed 370 pounds shortly after he got to Kansas, and he sort of reshaped his body and gotten in a lot better shape, dropped about 60 pounds since then. He says he's 310 right now, so he's not even on Tennessee's campus yet. And you've got a much more athletic, leaner kind of guy than than what he was just a couple of years ago. So this is a this is a player who I think is on on the way up in his career trajectory, and, and I think could be at the very least a part of Tennessee's too deep this year. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's even more than that. So this this is a, a nice pickup to me for a defensive line that that needs some help. And, and maybe the best thing about this is it's not just a one year plug and play, and then you lose him next year kind of move. This is a guy with potentially up to four years of eligibility left because he was a redshirt freshman last year. And remember, last year essentially didn't count. So he'll be listed as a redshirt sophomore this year, giving him three seasons. And then if he wants it, that fourth season for, for the COVID pandemic last year. So it's a, it's a pretty nice pickup for multiple reasons. But I think uh, just given all that and, and how much potential he still has, uh, hard, hard to fault Tennessee for this one. I think there's a lot to like about this pickup. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't want to paint with too broad of a brush here, Ryan. But but when I see that there is a six, you know, whatever six foot four, three hundred and seventy pound young man in the state of Mississippi, um, how is he not playing football until his senior year of high school? Uh, I don't. Again, I'm not trying to paint with the broad brush here. This is in Mississippi, and this is a young man who's six four, three seventy. So unless he has some kind of a medical condition, I find it shocking that that they were not able to convince this young man to go play football. There's got to be a good story there, right? There's got to be. I, I'd love to know too. Maybe he just wasn't that interested at first. It's, it sounds like he just thought of himself as a basketball guy, which is which is funny because you don't see a whole lot of six four, three hundred fifty pound post players. But at that level, he, you know, he might have been pretty dominant in high school. Uh, but you know, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't really give football a look, but his brother played football. Um, now he, he referenced a couple things about his, his brother's football career. I'm not, I'm not really, I, I can't confirm any of the details because I wasn't able to find much on his brother, but he claimed that he was maybe recruited by Tennessee on some level years ago. Um, and he ended up going to junior college and then uh, he, he claimed uh, Western Kentucky, I believe is where his brother played after that. So, um, may have been a walk on there. I'm not sure what the whole situation there was, but his brother's at least a pretty good football player and, you know, just kind of convinced him, Hey, give football a try. You've got, you got one year left, you know, see what, see what you can do. And he gave it a shot and had a really good senior year was really productive in his one year because, you know, when you're six, four, three fifty or whatever at the time, and you can move pretty well, you tend to dominate high school football. So, uh, he, he did well and got himself on the radars of some major programs and, so th- this is kind of how he comes full circle to Tennessee, though. Um, he's he's recruited that fall during his senior year by some schools. Kansas becomes the first Power Five school to really push for him, and they get they get him to go ahead and sign in December during the early signing period. And, and he actually waited a few days after that to announce his signing. Uh, they they kept it under the radar, but he had, he had already signed early. If he had not signed early, Auburn had been showing interest in him. And there was a, some real thought that that Auburn might have gone ahead and offered him in January if he had stayed on the map and uh, and given himself the option of signing in February. Since he didn't do that, Auburn didn't have the chance. He went ahead and locked himself in. But Rodney Garner, obviously at Auburn at the time, developed a pretty good relationship with him. Was recruiting him enough that you know he liked him and and thought that was a, a guy that could be a nice late addition for Auburn. And then here it is. Here he is two years later. Garner's now at Tennessee. Needs some help. There's a relationship there. He enters the transfer portal after the coaching change recently at, at Kansas, and suddenly you've got a perfect match and a chance for for Dejon Terry to get back to the Southeast and play in the SEC. So funny how those things work out, but that's always uh, one of the things with the new coaching staff. you got 10 assistants and a head coach that all come with their different ties from past stops, and in this case, one of those past stops and and, and past relationships at a past stop comes, out, comes in handy for Tennessee and helps them get a defensive lineman who can help. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you – 
you know, it's funny to sit there and think about a 350 plus pound young man playing basketball at about six foot four. So that that that's comical. It really is. But but what I'll say is that I really, really like the fact that this young man played basketball because if you play basketball even at a pretty decent level in high school, um, you're probably pretty athletic, right? I mean, you, you got to be able to move up and down the floor. You have to have lateral quickness. You have to be able to have hand-eye coordination to go get rebounds. There's things that, that you have to do, and those can really translate to, to success on the line of scrimmage because if you can move your feet, you can move your hips, and you can move your hands, and you got heavy hands – you can do some damage up front. And, you know, this is a young man who at his size, a lot of people might have thought, you know, let's just go ahead and stick him on the offensive line. But apparently he had enough athleticism to where they said, no, let's keep you on the defensive line. And now he's lost weight. And now maybe maybe you got a player on your hands. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 seeing what I've seen of him on film, I you know, I, I definitely don't think this is a guy you want to move to the offensive line in the future. This is a pretty athletic guy. He you know, I, I would maybe compare him just in terms of his build, what he's been in the past, to a guy like Elijah Simmons. He reminds you a little bit of that, except taller, um, because he is listed at six four. That, that I mean, he's probably. I don't know if that's a one hundred percent accurate measurement, but he's at least six three, probably. So pretty good size there, uh, and and just has had had a little bit more weight last year. It was listed at three twenty. He says he's down to three ten, so maybe even down even further since then. But a, a pretty big guy still, but just a, a little more. Uh, a little more athletic even than when he got to Kansas. And I think when you add that all together uh, with what Tennessee could use on the defensive front, uh, th- this is a, this is a nice, nice pickup. And I, I think a guy that's going to help Tennessee for, for a while, you know, we'll, we'll see, will he be a day one starter or anything like that? I, I, I would not necessarily count on that, but we'll have to see how he compares to the guys Tennessee already has on the roster. There's some question marks, obviously, around some of the veterans on Tennessee's roster, including Darrell Middleton. So who's who's around for this season and who, you know, how, how does how does Dejan Terry uh, compare to those guys? We'll see. Um, but, I, you know, talking with Scott Chasen from our, our Kansas side and seeing his comments about Dejan Terry, that people at Kansas are pretty high on him. And I think a new staff there. Uh, that just arrived is hating to lose a guy like that because they, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to get good defensive linemen from the South to Kansas a lot of times. And they, they felt they had one in Dejon Terry. So this is a, a nice get for Tennessee and a guy who can help for a, for a few years. And, and before we move on to talk about other stuff in the portal, the last thing I want to say about Terry is this, and I've heard coaches say this, we'll see if it turns out to be the case with him or not, because things can go different ways. Um, but I have heard coaches say before that a lot of people think it, it can be frustrating for a college coach when you get someone who didn't play a lot in high school or they're still early in their development because there's a lot of basic football things they just don't know, uh, and you have to spend more time kind of getting them up to speed. But in just as many cases in coaches that I've spoken with, they say they don't mind that because a lot of times people who've been playing high school or, or playing football their entire lives have not necessarily had the coaching to do things the right way. So they develop these habits over, you know, eight, nine, ten years, and they're not the right habits and they're not the right techniques. And it can be really hard to teach that old dog new tricks. But if you've got a guy who's just been playing football for a couple of years, you've got an open book and you have a lot more um, that you might be able to explain to them pretty quickly and they're not trying to break really old habits. So, so that can cut both ways, can it, Ryan? I mean, I know you've talked to a lot of – you know, high school and college coaches over the year too. And I, I imagine you've also heard something to that tune. Yeah. It's, it's like my golf swing. You know, you'd rather, if you're a golf instructor, you'd probably rather work with someone who's never played the game before than to deal with someone whose swing has the kind of baggage mine does. So, uh, you know, same, same principle here. Uh, if you, if you have a guy who's just scratching the surface of his potential, but doesn't, as you said, doesn't have any bad habits, uh, there, there's a lot to be said for that. So yeah, the fact that he played one year of high school football and, jumped right into the college level. You know, I'm sure he had some things he needed to work on. Usually staying low is one of those big things for, for linemen. But uh, as, as he's continued to develop, I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for a guy that, that just has uh, a few years of experience and is kind of just scratching the surface of what he can be in the future. Don't sell yourself short, Ryan. You've got a very repeatable golf swing. Uh, it doesn't have like a tremendous amount of power behind it, um, but it's pretty smooth and pretty consistent. I mean, it's reliable. I wouldn't sell yourself short on that, you know. I mean, it's, you're not, you're not, you're not, you know, um, you know, deshambling it down the fairway there. But it's a, it's a, it's a solid, repeatable swing. It's re- it's repeatably bad. Uh, there's there's a there's often a hook to it. It's uh, it's just bad. I, I played golf in high school, and you'd never know it. So let's just we can move on. It's fine. What about um, what about what else is going on, Ryan? Before we step out of here uh, for the first segment, what what else is going on out there in the portal right now? There's Tennessee. There's still some guys who we think 
could possibly leave. Don't want to assume anything, but it's certainly possible. Also, some other areas where Tennessee might look to still bolster. What, what, what's what's the latest uh, scuttlebutt? I'm gonna, what, what's that Dwight Schrute says in the office? What's what's the latest scuttlebutt going around the office? Yeah, so so Tennessee, just to be clear, now they've added you know six or seven transfers here this this offseason. I think the number's up to seven if you include Chase McGrath, the kicker. Um, so it's it's a pretty big group of transfers already, and you can't add infinitely. But Tennessee, from everything I've been told, does still have room to add at least one or two more transfers. Just you know, if they want to push the numbers, and uh, it, it might take some you know counting ahead or other creative. Uh, creative accounting to do that. So there's there's still a tiny bit of room for them to still add uh, some help. And one name out there in particular happens to be connected to Dejon Terry is definitely at least on Tennessee's radar. Marcus Harris, another former Kansas defensive lineman, played with Terry and was his roommate actually at one point at Kansas. Um, I'm not sure if he was there uh, as his roommate for the past two years, but at least part of that time they were roommates. So pretty close friends. Um, definitely has some interest, I think, in, in, in reuniting with Dejon Terry, but he's a guy who's originally from Montgomery, Alabama, and Auburn is heavily involved as well. So I think Auburn, a lot of people think, is maybe where Marcus Harris ends up, but Tennessee, I think, another one of the major contenders. So that's definitely one to, to keep an eye on, and I know people are probably thinking, Tennessee's already added two transfer defensive linemen. Would they really take a third? Yes. If, if they get the right <laughs> one, I think they absolutely would. And I think Marcus Harris, who – who had seven and a half tackles for loss last year. He's about a 280, 285 pound kind of three technique defensive tackle. If you can get a guy like that, he's not a carbon copy of Dejon Terry. So you could even uh, play them at the, at the same time. Cause he's more of a three technique and a four man front. Uh, so you, you could have those guys on the field at the same time. And Tennessee just needs a lot of help on the defensive line. I think that would tell you how, how dire the situation kind of was after spring practice in their minds, if they took a third one, but I think if it's the right one, like Marcus Harris, they would. And then beyond that, you know, I, think, I still think they're open to adding some help in the secondary. Uh, you know, beyond that, it might be kind of a best player available kind of thing. But if they could find a defensive back who's the right fit, I think they still feel they're pretty thin in the secondary. So uh, we'll, we'll see what pops up. As you said, there still could be more additions to the portal in the coming days, even from Tennessee's roster. So it could go both ways still. But I wouldn't say Tennessee's done in the portal, and we know they at least have interest in Marcus Harris. So that's something to – to keep an eye on in the coming days. Yeah, and we've said this before. We'll say it again. I, you know, this is open to interpretation. A lot of people could view this differently. For me personally, I thought the defensive line was probably the biggest disappointment of spring camp because you had a lot of upperclassmen there. And I don't think anybody ever thought they'd be superstars, but there was hope there that that you know some so much experience in that group, some size, some strength, some SEC experience. There was some hope that that group would be better than it turned out to be, at least in the spring. Now, Rodney Garner is hard to play for. Um, now, he'll get you better, but he's going to make you work for it. Um, so he, he certainly is from that old school, break you down to build you back up thing. So we'll see. The the, the, the tune there could change you know, going into the season. We'll, you know, we, we'll, we'll see what kind of offseason they have. We'll see how Garner attacks that. We'll see how he deals with them in camp. But uh, to me, that was the biggest disappointment in camp. Is that Ryan? Where's your Where's your take on that? Yeah, I, I think that group was. I mean, Josh Heupel used the word thin, and that's not the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of people when you consider that guys like Omari Thomas, a talented second year guy, is not necessarily penciled in as a starter. You know, Elijah Simmons was not a full time starter last year, and they're still pretty high on his potential. So there, there are still a lot of guys there, a lot of bodies. But a, I, you know, again, there's still some uncertainty with guys like Darrell Middleton, maybe Aubrey Solomon what's their status uh, over the next few months. And then, you know, for the guys that you do have there, how, how good are they? What, what do you have? And do you have anybody there who can really be a difference maker? And if not, you got to go find somebody. So uh, I think Tennessee adding a couple guys on the front tells you all, all you need to know about that defensive line. And yeah, I thought, I thought it was just a, a pretty average at best defensive line throughout the spring. So to me, it's a group they needed to try to upgrade and, uh, and, and see if they could get better. And, and so far they have, uh, you know, we'll see if they're done there, but, I definitely understand why they made multiple additions. That makes sense to me, and, and I think that's where they are. And, and there's certainly going to be plenty more to monitor with uh, the portal, portal, portal. We, we don't know exactly what will happen because that's that's just the world that we live in now. But uh, certainly adding Terry is big. Adding, Terrace would, uh, adding Harris, I should say, would be big. Um, and, and Tennessee, I, there's, I still think there's going to be at least one more loss and at least one more addition from the portal. Uh, to me, that's just sort of common sense. 
um, when you look at the way things are trending right now in college football. That's just sort of where I think maybe things are, but we'll, we'll see. There's plenty more to talk about there. Ryan, man, thanks for your time today. We'll be back. Um, if there's no breaking news, major breaking news with football, uh, we'll be back uh, on Monday to talk a little more football. But uh, until then, man, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, Wes. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. We will be right back. We're going to come back and discuss a little Tennessee basketball uh, with Grant Ramey. And remember, we're doing three segments in this episode, so we're going to step away uh, after that one, and then we're going to get to baseball with Mike Wilson. But before that, uh, we're going to talk a little Tennessee basketball. And before that, we're going to step away and pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, and other fun things here on the Govals 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Goval's 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Going to be joined by Grant Ramey in this segment down from the... Uh, the Goval's 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office in Maryville. Before we get to Grant, though, uh, and I know that I'm building up the tension here because everyone gets super excited when Grant's on the on the show with us. But before we do that, just a quick reminder to take a, a minute or two out of your day right now. Please go into uh, whatever whatever podcast app that you have, whether it is Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. So please, if you're listening on the website, we appreciate you. We love you for being here. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. But if you could go in there with your podcast apps and you could hit the subscribe button, that would help us out a lot. So please take a minute out of your day and do that. Please also rate and review this podcast. There is nothing you can do uh, other, other than telling family and friends. There's nothing you can do that will help us more than going in there and rating and reviewing and hitting that subscribe button on the podcast. It helps us with all the metrics. Don't ask me for the science. That's above my knowledge. But the more people that do that, the more people they see this podcast. It comes across their apps. It's suggested for them. And we can continue adding wolves to our wolf pack as we've done for two plus years now. And we can make this even bigger. And that's what we plan to do. And y'all are helping us do that. So we appreciate it. But if you could take a couple minutes and do those things, that would help us out quite a lot. Now for the most exciting part of the show, we go down to the Blount County Satellite Office. The Goval's 24-7 down in Maryville, and we speak to the one, the only, Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up, man? Generally speaking, I don't, I don't have a marketing degree or anything like that, but if you're going to ask people to subscribe, I don't, I don't think you want to bring me on after that, that pitch, that sales pitch, to try to convince somebody to enjoy this product by having my voice in their headphones. Well, if it makes you feel any better, this is the second of three segments. We're doing three segments in this episode, and uh, you're in the second segment, which is sort of like the middle reliever. So mm -hmm. if that makes you – does that make you feel better about where you are in the in the lineup? Uh, no. Based on the bullpens I've watched recently, no, that makes me feel terrible. That's, that's, that's tough, man. The Braves got a good team, and they, they need a better bullpen for sure. Grant – Tennessee basketball has just compiled another absolutely ridiculous signing class. And I know people are saying, oh, it didn't help them a lot last year. Well, you know, it was a weird year. Things happen. Um, but Tennessee has taken what was a really good signing class last year, made it even better for 2021, brought in an absolutely ridiculous class. We've spoken ad nauseum about that. A couple of those guys have, have gone ahead and moved in to, to get things started. The whole team should be together in a few weeks, which is really exciting times for the program. But, you know, the thing about basketball is, especially in this era, if you're going to recruit a lot of one-done players, you got to keep the machine going, right? The churn has to keep churning. 
and Tennessee is trying to get locked and loaded again for the 2022 class. And there have been a couple of big developments on that. It looks like there's going to be a couple of more five stars coming in here in just a couple of weeks. There are. Finally, there is some normalcy uh, in the recruiting world and the in-person recruiting can pick up on June 1st. I know that's probably been discussed on the football side a ton uh, at this point, but it's a big deal for basketball too because summertime uh, and the fall is a big time for basketball recruiting. And Tennessee's first two, uh, to my knowledge, official visits on the books uh, for June is two more five-star prospects, which is, I guess that's kind of the normalcy for Tennessee basketball at this point. They've signed five five-star guys over the last three recruiting cycles, and now they have two more scheduled for official visits. One of them is Kaysen Wallace, a five-star combo guard out of Richardson, Texas. He's a guy that they just offered a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. It's not long after this new-look staff got assembled. Uh, assistant coach Rod Clark, who they hired from Austin P. he has deep ties to the state of Texas and that part of the country, uh, and I think this is one of his relationships where he's getting them in the race. Uh, for this kid, the likes of Baylor and Arkansas and Kentucky, those are the teams that are after him that are trying to get him on campus for a visual visit. So this is a really big get for Tennessee just to go from kind of diving into this water to getting him onto campus this quickly. I think that bodes well for, for what's ahead, just for some perspective. He's the number 16 overall player in the country. Uh, and then right behind – let's see, he's scheduled June 3rd to 5th, and then right behind him is Brandon Miller, the five-star in-state small forward. He's, he's not a new name uh, for Tennessee basketball at all. They've had him on campus for unofficial visits in the past, uh, but he's from Antioch, Tennessee. He's the number 11 overall player in the class. Uh, he's got some ties to Alabama. Obviously, he's going to have ties to Tennessee because of the in-state stuff. Uh, so it's, it's like you said, keep the machine rolling. Uh, what you got to do next is get those guys on campus, uh, and it looks like they're headed that way. Has it gotten you know weird to yet to you that – you know, we're sitting here talking about, and for years, you know, Tennessee's recruited, you know, had some five stars in for visits, you know, signed a couple here or there, had a bunch of four stars signed, some things like that. But it seems like now this program has gotten to a point where if you can, you can just look at like the first 30 or 35 names in any given recruiting class, and you're going to see half a dozen or more guys who have serious interest in Tennessee. Is this just is this the norm now? I mean, is it, is it, is it still weird to you or is it just kind of like, this is the way things are now? Uh, I mean, it was, it was kind of weird and surprising when Josiah James picked Tennessee back in 20, whatever that was 18. He was part of the 2019 recruiting cycle. Uh, and Jaden Springer was a guy that they were after forever, but based on his ranking, it felt like, you know, this is going to be a good effort from Tennessee, but uh, who's going to say it's really going to happen. And then it happened. And Keon Johnson, they ran early on him. And he climbed so high in the rankings. Kaysen Wallace is another guy. He was ranked number 77, I believe, uh, going into last fall. And he climbed like 60 spots in one update uh, up to number 17, number 16, something like that, as, and became a five-star prospect. So part of it is evaluations, I think, both, both by the previous staff and by this new look staff with Rod Clark and Justin Ganey. Uh, and I think part of it is just Tennessee's going after these guys. They have a great culture to sh- uh, sell. Uh, Rick Barnes obviously has connections all over the country. Uh, the, the coaches that they bring in, uh, they have success here and they move on as head coaches. And the guys that they bring in are energetic young recruiters with more connections to different parts of the country. So I think it's normal because it's just kind of what happens now. I mean, it, it used to be these guys where they would, you know, swing for the fences after these kind of kids and it probably wasn't going to work out. But now it's to the point where if you've got five over the last five years, and I think you've only signed eight five-star prospects at Tennessee in the history of the internet recruiting rankings era, which goes back to, you know, 20, 20 something odd years at this point. Uh, I think that's, that would qualify for something that's just kind of normal now. Grant, when you talk about this class and everything that's going on with, with the way Tennessee has been recruiting, you look at the program in general and it seemed like, you know, when Barnes first came to Tennessee, you know, you had guys like Rob Lanier on the staff and, you know, Ogden, and people were thinking, man, what's going to happen when those guys leave? And then those guys left, and it's like, oh, my gosh, what are they going to do? Is that going to hurt things? And then they bring in, you know, you know a Schwartz, and they bring in, um, you know, obviously a Kim English. And then those guys or with Kim English, he leaves, and then Desmond Oliver takes the job at ETSU to go be a head coach. 
and you're sitting there thinking, man, what's going to happen now? Is it, it, you just really can't you really can't lose these guys? And then what does he do? He goes out there and hires a couple guys, and one of them already has a connection that's bringing yet another five star to campus. So it, it seems to me like uh, when you talk about culture, that culture is just firmly embedded now. And as long as Rick Barnes is there, this is just how they're going to operate, and this is just how they're going to recruit. Yeah, I mean, I think these these new guys on staff, the the new coaches they hired, would tell you. Uh, about that culture and why it made that a desirable position, something that they wanted to pursue, trying to get a job at Tennessee on Rick's on Rick's bench. I think they would tell you after being here a couple of weeks what the culture feels like and, and kind of living it uh, after hearing about it and, and kind of wanting to be a part of it. So yeah, I think that culture uh, is a huge thing. Um, it's it's one thing to for Kim English to uh, bust his butt the way he did to get Kennedy Chandler and to put in so much work there. And right before Kennedy Chandler gets to campus, uh, Kim English gets a job at George Mason. It's an opportunity you really can't pass up based on his connections, based on that job. And he leaves and Kennedy stays and, and Kennedy sides Rick Barnes and, and wanting to play for him and want to be to, uh, developed at the point guard position by a guy that coaches point guards the way that Rick Barnes does. So uh, it, it's, it's definitely something where they got it rolling early in terms of culture and recruiting and they, they set that foundation a long time ago. Uh, and, it, and it continues to to build on that foundation with the success they've had in the past with the recruiting success. I think the next step is mixing the five-star talents like a Brandon Huntley Hatfield and a Kennedy Chandler, two guys that could be two more one-and-done prospects with the multi-play, uh, multi-year players like a Jemai Meshack or a Quentin DeBunje uh, or some of these other names uh, in this class, a Justin Powell, uh, those types. I think it's about mixing the five-star guys who could be one-and-done prospects with the multi-year talented guys that you're trying to develop season after season who really help you win games down the road. Yeah, and I guess the, the cautionary tale on that front would have to be Kentucky, right? Because, and, and, and let's be honest, this was a really weird year in college basketball, and this was a year where you know you didn't have as much preseason practice, things were messed up, guys were in and out of you know protocol and getting – tested positive and then having to sit out for a couple of weeks here and there. And it was just a really weird off season. And I don't think it's a coincidence that when you look at a lot of the traditional one and done type powers, they did not have great seasons. The, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, the UNC's, uh, you know, Kansas was, was a bit up and down. Certainly looked for a while, like it was just a, an average team. And in Tennessee kind of fell into that group this year when, when you couldn't really, you just couldn't really get those five stars meshed as quickly as you normally would because you, you had a, a weird off season. But generally speaking, that that's not the first time that that's happened to Kentucky. I guess Kentucky uh, with Calipari has had some huge, huge, miss, huge, huge makes. Right? I mean, you got you know national title, you got some Final Fours, you got a bunch of SEC titles. When they get it clicking, that they, they, they get it going on. But when they get a group of one and dones that doesn't quite match together, uh, doesn't quite get that right mix they run into problems. And and I think maybe the lack of multi-year players is a part of that because you, you kind of lose the bedrock or the, the, the foundation that the, of your culture of your program. And, and so I'm, I'm guessing with, with Barnes here, what, what you were getting at a little bit earlier was getting that combination, right. Being such a big thing, because it's great to put these, these toys in place every year. It's fun. Everybody gets excited about the five stars. Right. But um, you, you have to build a team, and, and to do that, you kind of have to get that mixture right. Yeah, it, it's a really fine line, and I don't think Rick Barnes wants seven players leaving the program every year like he had this offseason. Now, if you have three players get drafted, Keon Johnson's going to be drafted in the first round. Uh, Jaden Springer's probably going to be drafted in the first round. Eve Pons is going to hope, be hoping to hear his name called in the draft if that's the second round. Uh, late in the draft, whatever. If you have three guys drafted, that's a huge statement piece for your program coming off uh, a couple of years ago when they had three players drafted in Admiral Grant Williams and Jordan Bone. But in a perfect world, I don't think you want seven players leaving and six players entering. I think you want it staggered a little bit more uh, because you are trying to walk that fine line of you do want that elite talent, that five-star possible one-and-done uh, product like a Kennedy Chandler or a Huntley Hatfield or a Keon or a Jaden. But you also want those – four-year, three, four-year multi-year players like a Grant Williams, like an Admiral Schofield. I think Jemai Meshack could be a really good example of this moving forward of a guy that comes in who's really talented to start with, not quite talented enough to make that leap really early, uh, and you can develop him into that kind of elite player, and you get that veteran 
college basketball game, uh, that's those are the guys you need to lean on to supplement uh, that elite freshman talent. They, when Tennessee got to March, they just couldn't rely on Jade and Keon alone because they couldn't get enough help, consistent help from Eve Ponds, couldn't get enough consistent help from John Fulkerson with as much as he struggled down the stretch and then obviously the injuries to end his year. So you want to give those guys – you want to inject that talent into your program. You also want to – uh, be bringing certain talents back so you can be building in those areas. And I remember, too, before we get out of here, I, I know that that was something that Rick Barnes spoke about, about his, you know, with, with his time at Texas also, because he, by the end of it, and he's he's been open about this, that, that he he thinks he lost a little bit of that culture at Texas when he, he started getting so many kind of one-and-done types and he didn't have the supplemental guys to go with it. And when he got to Tennessee, he said he, he wasn't going to, you know, repeat those mistakes. And I think it's interesting that a few years into his time at Tennessee, you've got a time where, again, it's a weird year, um, but you had a team that had some Final Four aspirations, ends up getting bounced in the first round of the tournament, a little bit up and down, didn't finish the season the way it wanted to, uh, and then you've got seven guys leaving the roster. So it almost kind of – if you, you don't have to twist it too much to make it look like there were some years at Texas that he had like that. So I, I think he might be especially sensitive to that right now because I think this is something that he wants to get that combination right because I, I'm not making that up, am I? I mean, I remember him saying a couple times that he, he, he thought that was part of the problem at Texas toward the end of his tenure. Right, and at one time at Texas, I believe he, he mentioned he's mentioned in the past that he got down to having like four scholarship guys uh, during one off season uh, of particular heavy turnover, and that that's not obviously what you want every off season. And, and Tennessee's you know Tennessee's had a lot of success under Rick Barnes over the last five years. Uh, probably not as much success as some fans want. Some are frustrated. Others uh, kind of realize the recruiting waters they're treading in right now and how kind of unprecedented that is all that stuff kind of combined it felt like this this going into this offseason was going to be a crossroads because you figured some players were going to uh, leave for the draft you figured some players were going to leave for the portal and you figured they were going to have to grow that 2021 class a lot to address a lot of the issues that 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 hurt them so much this last season they did not have an inside presence they went out and got Brandon Henley Hatfield a five-star uh, one and done prospect they went out and got Jonas Idu another a guy that's been just given a five-star rating uh, on rivals recently in one of their updates. So they went out and got that kind of talent. Now it's, it's time to see kind of, did they get all these pieces and can they fit them together in the right way? Uh, not only this season, but moving forward with guys that, that aren't the one and done talents. And, you know, what does this coaching staff look like after you had to overhaul your coaching staff? It wasn't just the roster turnover. It was losing Kim English. It was losing Desmond Oliver. It was having to go out and get Rod Clark. Uh, and Justin Ganey. So it definitely felt like they were at a crossroads. They needed a ton of change and they needed a lot of, uh, to bring a lot of the guys in to, to fix a lot of their problems. Now we'll see if they did it. Anything else going on, Grant, before we step out of here for, for another break, anything with, I know the, the rest of June there, there's some opportunities there for recruiting. I know some guys have just kind of gotten on campus. Uh, any any uh, scuttlebutt going around right now? I mean, it's, it's going to be, you know, uh, what they need is a good summer. Uh, obviously they, they had a good spring. They didn't have a spring this time a year ago. That was a big deal to Rick Barnes to have that time. Even if it was with a limited roster, I think Josiah Jordan James is the the name you're going to hear a ton because I think he's going to take over as the guy that the leader on this team, the voice of this team that, that kind of everybody's been waiting for him to become. Um, and, and it's going to be an important summer because I think part of the, one of the biggest reasons they failed last season was because they didn't have a full normal, summer to try to kind of come together and develop something uh, other teams obviously thrived last season despite everything that changed uh, Tennessee was not one of those teams so they need to get guys on campus Brandon Holly Hatfield's already here Justin Powell's already here they expect the rest of these guys to be here by the beginning of June for those June classes and the summer workouts so get them back on campus everybody's home right now uh, except for those two new players but get them back on campus and have a good summer and get back on track to kind of be in the program that you want to be yeah Josiah and Jordan James I mean those were big words that he said at the end of last season you know kind of putting it all out of it on himself and saying things were going to have to change and he was going to have to be the guy to lead the team and you know they're they're big words and they're great to hear but that means you got to back it up right so I mean we'll we'll see how he does I, I'm not betting against the kid I think he has the ability to do all those things he mentioned but still uh, when you do that you, you you put a you put a big kind of target on your own back and, and you got to back it up so 
we'll see how all that goes. Uh, Grant, I always ask you this, and I know how it's going to end, but uh, you got anything else? I got nothing. I figured he didn't. Guys, we're going to take another quick break, step away, pay some bills, listen to uh, some uh, pay some bills, listen to some products and ads, services, all those other fun things, yada, yada, yada. Come back, and we're going to step outside the immediate family for Go Balls 24-7, go to the extended family, and we're going to speak with uh, our good friend Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel about Tennessee baseball and a huge, huge series this weekend that the, the fourth-ranked Vols have against the top-ranked Razorbacks of Arkansas. Big, big games coming up Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and we're going to take a break, come back, and we're going to talk about that here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on what's now a Thursday evening here in our beautiful mountain town of Knoxville, Tennessee. Beautiful, beautiful weather tonight. Hopefully going to be beautiful weather again this weekend. Looks like some Chamber of Commerce weather uh, for, for what's going to be a big, big baseball series in Knoxville. The, the top-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks heading to Lindsey Nelson Stadium to face the fourth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Tony Vitello and his group have have gotten themselves in the driver's seat. They control their own destiny. They are the leaders of the SEC East with just two weeks left in the regular season, playing for a lot of big things, playing for uh, potentially an SEC Eastern Division championship, playing for seeding in the uh, SEC tournament, playing for uh, potentially major, major seeding in the NCAA tournament where they could host a regional and perhaps even a super regional. So big, big things going on. And, and to talk about some of that, um, I'm the only guy for Go Boss 24-7 who covers baseball on a daily basis. So if we're going to talk to somebody else, we got to step outside the immediate family. Uh, and that's what we did. But we only went to the extended family uh, because Mike Wilson does a fantastic job. Our good, good friend, Mike Wilson, uh, a good friend of the pod, just a good friend in life, just a really, really good dude. Covers Tennessee baseball for the Knoxville News Sentinel. And, and so I thought it'd be fun to have a conversation with him, let y'all hear a new voice, even if it's his terrible voice. And, and we talk a little Tennessee baseball, a big, big weekend for Tony Vitale and his crew. So there's plenty to, to do, plenty to discuss there. So uh, I'm going to step out of the way and we're going to get to that interview. Here is me speaking with our good friend, Mike Wilson of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Joined now by our good friend, Mike Wilson, from the Knoxville News Sentinel. Mike, who covers uh, Tennessee, I guess I should say athletics now, Mike, because, uh, you know, it's primarily the, the you know, the, the basketball and the baseball guy. Now you're doing some football, too. So so what is your actual title now? You're covering everything. Uh, Grand Poobah of Tennessee Athletics at the Knoxville News Sentinel is what I uh, officially would like to be referred to as, uh, but Poobah only with a positive uh, connotation, of course. I can understand that. I tried to get uh, 24-7 sports uh, to call me like uh, the czar or grand czar, and mm. uh, and, and they uh, they decided not to. So, um, but they're, I'll they're, take like wizard too. Wizard of like Tennessee Athletics coverage would also be accepted. I like it. I could do that. Yeah, I, I should work on something like that. Anywho, Mike covers just does an awesome job covering Tennessee athletics for the Knoxville News Sentinel. has has done baseball now for a while, and and I, you know, as opposed to getting one of our own guys from Govall twenty four seven on for this segment to talk baseball, I thought it'd be better to to talk to Mike because he actually uh, covers the team. So it'd be a couple guys who actually do cover the team, and Mike's been covering it for for Tennessee baseball on a serious basis for for longer than I have even. So Mike, I guess the 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 short and sweet of it is this. Uh, Tennessee, fourth-ranked Tennessee, hosting top-ranked Arkansas for a three-game series this weekend. And, 
you know, Tennessee's ranked fourth in the country. There are two weeks left in the regular season, and Tennessee is potentially in line to win an SEC East championship, potentially in line to be a regional, possibly even super regional host for the NCAA tournament. Uh, did you see this coming this year? Um, yes and no. Um, not with this group. Um, you know, Jackson Leith was such an important part of this team. Uh, whether he was going to be the Friday night guy, Saturday night guy, um, jack of all trades, pitcher, bullpen, starter, whatever he was going to be, you know, he was a guy who passed up MLB money twice now to come back to Tennessee for the first time. Um, and, and he's not a factor on the team because he got hurt in his, his second outing of the season. So, yes, if you're talking about the team that I think everyone thought Tennessee was going to have, no, uh, with this team, um, just because it's, it's hard for a team to lose a, a top five round MLB pitcher um, and, and then still rebound to, to have the team and, and what Tennessee has going for it. So I might be lying if I said after Jackson Leith went down, I expected Tennessee to be number four in the country. Yeah, that's, you know, I, we're recording this on Thursday, and I, you know, spoke with a, a few different radio stations in Arkansas today, and they kind of asked me a, a similar version of that question. And I, I sort of said yes and no also because, you know, I thought maybe last year was a year where Tennessee, um, you had a guy like Crochet in there, you had all those bats in that lineup, and it just seemed like things were, were coming together at a time where that team could could really do some damage. And and if, if Crochet, had, you know, was a guy, if he'd been healthy uh, going into certainly any SEC series, you'd feel pretty decent about Friday night. And going into a regional, you'd feel good about getting started with him on the mound. So I, I thought that team had the ability – uh, to, to maybe go do some things. Hadn't done it before, uh, so it was going to be a big leap, but I thought it was possible. This season I wasn't so sure. Uh, and then, you know, Leith goes down. They don't have a guy like Ben Joyce available either. Uh, you know, some of the guys in the lineup who are, who are the power bats, they get on base early in the season, but they're not, they're not really slugging. They're not really hitting the ball the way they're capable. Um, but the team just kind of kept winning and just kind of kept finding ways to win. And then the bats came around, and then – Lo and behold, they've played eight SEC series and they've won seven of them. I mean, I, I can't sit here and say that I would have thought they were going to win seven of their first eight series in this league because I, for me, it's hard to pick any team to go do that in this league. It is, and even more so when you talk about the pitching. I mean, you have to take into account that Jason Rackers really hasn't come back from Tommy John. Yep. Uh, he's basically a non-factor on this team. He throws a, a couple of midweek innings here and there, um, but that's a guy who before last season, before he got hurt, was in the mix for a weekend spot. And going to this season, too, if he'd come back the way that everyone expected him to, was going to be in the mix for that. Elijah Pleasance was your Sunday starter to open the season. Now he's a midweek reliever. I mean, Tennessee's had a lot of interesting dynamics and changes throughout this season that it really should make it a team that, that isn't where it is. Um, but it's kind of something that you said right there. It's, and this is something I've said about this baseball team for a minute now is, you know, we watched the Tennessee basketball team this year have a remarkable amount of talent and just find ways to lose games. Yep. Uh, just di didn't have it for whatever reason. Could, couldn't find a way to win. Uh, and the baseball team's the exact opposite of that. Uh, it's a team that in some of these games has no business winning them. And they do. They, they have that factor. They have that, that attitude and, and kind of a, just a mentality. They're going to go out there and win and not really care how they do it, but they're going to make it happen. And and that's what we've seen happen with this team time and time again. It's a bunch of strike-throwing pitchers, a bunch of guys who are willing to work the count, get on base however is necessary, and everyone kind of just does their job, and that's made them pretty successful. Yeah, and there's almost a, a bit, you know, th this phrase is overused, especially in baseball, but there are sort of some, some money ball-like elements to, to this team. And, and what I mean by that is when you start looking at the numbers – you can see a clear way this team wants to play and, and that for the most part it's doing that. And, and what I mean by that is this team gets on base at a ridiculous clip. I mean, you know, a non-SEC play, an SEC play, it gets on base. And, and what, what that does is it gives you the ability to string together some big innings there. You get, you get traffic on the bases, you're, you're just one pitch away from, from doing some damage, and, and that's something that helps this team. But I, I think as much as anything – you look at the walk numbers, both in, number, in, in walks drawn and, and walks issued. Uh, they're, they're right there at the top of the SEC. They, they in hit batters, they're, they're last in the, or first in the league, I should say, in that too. They don't give you anything. They make you earn everything you get. They give up home runs, and, and a lot of those are solo home runs because they're not afraid to do that because they're not afraid to throw strikes and challenge you. So they're not going to shut you out very often, 
but they're they're going to pretty consistently keep you from having a big offensive game. And, and by doing that, they just take what you give them and they don't give you much. And that sort of gives you a platform to have success. Is, is that something? It does. And what's going to be interesting with the Arkansas series is Arkansas is such a good slugging team. Yes. And, and that's obviously a strength that Arkansas consistently has. And Tony Vitello coached there. Hitting is what Arkansas does. I mean, they're, they're, usually those three, four, five guys are terrifying. I mean, that, that's just kind of the Arkansas Razorback brand of baseball. And I think they have four or five guys with double-digit homers. I mean, they got dudes who can mash. And they're up there in slugging percentage in the conference, like always. So this is a little bit more of an interesting one for Tennessee, where this is one of the most dangerous lineups in the SEC, if not the most. And I think Florida's probably in that mix. Uh, Tennessee didn't see Ole Miss or Mississippi State, so I can't speak super well to either of them. Um, South Carolina's got a couple guys that mash. But, but Arkansas, I mean, offense is what they do so well. Got a good Friday night guy, got a good closer. There's pitchers too, but, I mean, Tennessee's pitchers living in the zone this weekend will be very interesting just from a standpoint of what Arkansas can do offensively in terms of stringing innings and runs together. Yeah, they're, they're one of the few elements of this Tennessee team that, that frustrates me, and I've, I'm sure you've seen me, everyone's seen me mention this a couple times this year, is that they just really don't believe in waste pitches. They give up a lot of you know home runs and extra base hits on 0-2 pitches, 1-2 pitches, just because they're so ingrained to pound the zone. They just attack you. They go after you. And anyone who, who knows much about the SEC, who knows much about Tennessee's ballpark, it is a launching pad. Uh, the wind typically blows from right to left, and if the fences are not big, you know, especially down there in, in the corners, if you are a right-handed hitter who can pull the ball in the air, you can get the ball out of that ballpark pretty easily. You don't even have to hit it flush. You can hit it off the end of the bat. You can get jammed a little bit. You can get under it, and it can still get in that wind tunnel in that small yard, and it can go. And I, I like you said, I am fascinated this weekend to see – if Tennessee starts nibbling a little bit more, which I don't think it will, or if it just continues to attack Arkansas, because Arkansas's guys, uh, if you've watched SEC Network much this year, if you've seen that team play, uh, just terrifying offensively. I mean, but I don't think Tennessee's pitching staff really ever gets terrified of anyone, despite not having a lot of swing and miss stuff. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Uh, they're just guys who compete, and I would be very surprised if Tennessee drastically changes its approach to the pitching staff this weekend. I mean, they're guys who... You, know, you touch on the walk numbers and those things, and they're going to keep throwing strikes. That's that's the recipe, and it's you know it's gotten them this far. Uh, it's not something you mess with. Um, and you know Chad Dallas is is just it's, it's such an interesting element when it comes to a guy like Chad Dallas, who's been Tennessee's Friday night guy now uh, ever since the start of last season because Garrett Crochet went down. He is the Friday night guy this year because Jackson Leith went down. Uh, I mean, he, realistically, he may not have even been a weekend rotation guy. Yeah. in 2020 because yep. it might have been crochet leaf and rackers if uh, crochet hadn't been hurt and rackers hadn't gone down i mean he might have never been a, a weekend guy at all but here he is i think he's eight and one the friday night starter so they're gonna keep rocking with exactly what's working for him uh interesting factor to me this weekend as always is what's the bullpen gonna do um you know statistically it's been okay but the, when the when it's off it, it's it's been what costs tennessee some games um and you know, uh, Heflin and Tidwell don't always go deep in games on Saturday and Sunday. So whatever Tennessee gets from its bullpen is going to be pretty relevant again. Yeah, and, and you know, what's interesting is if you watch a lot of Major League Baseball, you, you know what's coming out of the bullpen for just about every team in Major League Baseball is swing and miss stuff, right? Uh, they're guys who can throw a few times a week. They run up there in the mid to upper 90s with just devastating breaking stuff and a lot of swing and miss stuff. Tennessee does not bring a lot of swing and miss stuff out of the pen. You know, guys like Hunley, Connell, Walsh, I mean, they've got some good breaking stuff that they can get swings and misses on. Um, and, and, and Walsh's changeup in particular has been a good pitch for him, and it's been so important uh, for, for him to come back a little bit because Tennessee needs his experience in some of these series, I think. But it's interesting because you, you don't see – you know, maybe Housley's a guy who would develop some swing and miss stuff, um, but you just, you know, it's not like they're they're kind of heating up and serving mid-90s guys that are making you miss. No, realistically, I'm trying to think if anyone throws harder than Hunley coming out of the pen. Um, does, 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 does House, does House, yeah, because Housley does, but he doesn't get used. Housley anymore. does. Housley throws mid-90s, 94, 96. But, but Hunley's, Hunley's got a lot of movement between 90 to 92, and that's what makes him so effective. Um but yeah, the bullpen, I mean, you mentioned Ben Joyce earlier. That's, that's someone who we don't often talk about uh, just this season, but that's a guy who 
touches 98 uh, coming out of the bullpen. And, and that's an arm that, that Tennessee certainly would have liked to have had out of the bullpen this season, just because it would be that, that power arm that they don't really have um, in, in that bullpen right now. I mean, they just rely on a few guys and it's worked. It, it's worked to this point. Um, I'm curious how that shakes out. You know, once you get to regional, super regional, or if you lose an early game, you really got to have some pitching to get back into it. Um, that that's going to be interesting for me to watch. You know, in three weeks here, when, when Tennessee's at that place. Yeah, because there's no there's no doubt that at some point, like you know, in the postseason, you're you're not going to get guys throwing complete games all the time. Now, you might give them a longer leash, so you might give them a little bit longer chance to work through some things because you know that's you don't have as many arms to go to in back to back games and things like that. But also, on the other hand, you know, a lot of these are elimination games. So if a guy's not on his game. You know, he, he can't stay. He can't stay there. He's got to go. So I'm wondering, you know, you talk about the guys like the, the Fitzgibbonses, the, the Mabrys. I mean, those are the guys that, you know, Housley, McLaughlin, they, these are guys that are going to have to step in and perform because you just can't expect starters to go seven innings consistently throughout the weekend, can you? You can't, um, you know, especially in the case of Tennessee, who's, you know, Will Heflin wasn't penciled in as a, as a weekend starter going into the season. Uh, more of a, a steady, a steady bullpen arm, I think is probably more what the role was envisioned, but he's been really consistent for the most part in the Saturday role. Uh, some short outings, Blake Tidwell's a freshman with great stuff, but you know, some, some weekends you're, he's having that rough inning in the fourth, some innings he's not having it at all. Uh, and that's just been the inconsistencies of that. But again, you know, I, I've, I've told people that I'm not convinced this Tennessee team's that good talent wise correct but they're so 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 good at finding a way to win it uh and, and that's what makes this team really special um is that they're probably not in the top 10 talent wise but they play really hard they play really well and they fight through the games and that's allowed them to win a lot of games that they probably wouldn't have based on talents alone and that, that's an impressive trait i guess mike before we get out of here what's something that this tennessee team i mean you could obviously mention the health of, of pavoloni but but what's something you know because greer as as good as he can be offensively, I you know you miss Pavoloni's glove when he's not in there. He's just the way he can control the running game. Uh, that that's a factor, and he'd also start to swing the bat finally a little bit more like he's capable right when he gets hurt because that's just just how it goes sometimes. But what does this Tennessee team need to have go better down the stretch in order to to kind of make this not look like a flash in the pan? What 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 does it need to do to have success in the postseason that it's not doing as well right now? You know, two weeks ago, I would have had a good answer here, and that was Max Ferguson and Drew Gilbert need to start playing better baseball. Uh, but they are. Uh, and, like, right now, Tennessee, I mean, coming out of, you know, a couple of, of uh, lesser opponents when you're talking SEC. Yes. Uh, in Kentucky and Missouri. I mean, Missouri, Missouri is certainly the worst team in the SEC, and, and Tennessee scored, you know, 26 runs, had 40 hits. I mean, they handled business like they're supposed to. Um, but I thought the way that Ferguson and Gilbert played was so important. So I'm not sure I have a thing to pinpoint in terms of what they need to do better that we haven't already talked about, just because I think it does come down to the bullpen, uh, making sure your starters are giving you five innings Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, uh, keeping that bullpen fresh, especially on the Friday to keep them ready for Saturday, Sunday. But I mean, to me, again, the answer two weeks ago was, was Max Ferguson and Drew Gilbert. Because um, Ferguson just hadn't played up to his talent level yet this year on a consistent basis. And Gilbert was in a month long slump, um, but both of them were so good at Missouri uh, that now Tennessee is getting the production it needs from its best players while still getting its production from the guys who are contributing and have been all season, like an Evan Russell, a Luke Lipschitz, uh, a Liam Spence. We haven't mentioned yet, but is having an sec player of the year type season and, and not getting nearly enough credit for it and not getting nearly enough credit for it, not getting nearly enough credit for it. Unless you read tomorrow's Knoxville news sentinel, then you mm. might read about that. Ding, 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 um, ding. How about that? There's a plug. Yeah. What, what, a, what a concept. Uh, so I actually did my job this week. Um, but yeah, the, the combination that Tennessee has going for it right now of guys just doing their jobs and now it's best players playing like it's best players, that, that's a good recipe. So I, I do think this team's hitting its stride, but you're running into two really hard weekends back-to-back with Arkansas and South Carolina. And you know, I think you, know, you want to win them all if you're Tennessee, but I think the mentality probably when you had Florida and Vanderbilt back-to-back was go at least three and three and you feel good about yourself. And I assume that's probably a similar thing right now where if you can go three and three in these next two series, which means you win one of them, you're, you're heading into the postseason with 40 wins already. 
So yes. that's a good spot to be in. South Carolina feels like an ambush waiting to happen for me next week. I don't know why. I just get the feeling like the Tennessee's just the Tennessee's just walking into an ambush that weekend. I don't I don't know why. I just I I, I get that feeling. But uh, last thing, Mike. Very last thing. Um, it, it, the one thing that I'll say about Tony Vitello, as good as he is with us and as communicative and and as you know as pleasant to be around. Like a lot of other coaches, he can get cagey when it comes to injury discussions, right? Like he, you know, Connor Pavlone went through an entire weekend without being active, and and we didn't know about that till Sunday night, or he didn't confirm that until after the final game Sunday. So, in terms of what's going on with Pavlone now, um, I know he was having an X-ray Thursday. Do you, is there anything that you can share about that? Because I've still heard to look for Greer this weekend, but you know, I, I I'm not sure. Um, you know, my understanding going into last weekend was he would be available if needed at Missouri. I mean, he traveled. He, he was there, um, but he wasn't needed. Um, my guess is last weekend, if, you know, Tennessee lost Friday to Missouri, Pavlone probably would have played Saturday, Sunday, um, but they didn't need him. So I don't know exactly what his status is, but, I mean, if you're Tennessee, you're playing the long game at this point. I mean, you're, you're playing for late May, early June, late June. You're not playing for, for this series against Arkansas in terms of a, a player's health that you need down, down toward the postseason. So that's not an answer I realized, but uh, it was my understanding going to last weekend that, that he might be available uh, if needed. So I would assume it's probably the same this weekend. Well, you are, you are, and you're not playing the long game because you, you also, if you can get a top eight seed, you, you would get the chance mm-hmm. to host super regional. So if you can get that opportunity, that's such a huge boost. You know, that would be something that I would that I would think about. But that's that's another topic for another day, Mike. We haven't done this in a while, man. We need to do it more often. Thank you for making time for us today, and uh, I'm gonna let you go ahead and get out of here. Sounds great. Thank actually, you for Mike. Me. Actually, Matt, Mike, do you do you want to tell people where they can get your stuff? By the way, I should have done that earlier. Do you want you do want to tell people give plugs on where they can get all your stuff? We can do that. Uh, GoVolsExtra.com and KnoxNews.com. And then I am on the Twitter machine at ByMikeWilson. That's B-Y Mike Wilson because creating a Twitter handle when your name is Mike Wilson That's is true. not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah, it's John Doe, right? John Doe. So well, pre- appreciate it, Mike. Thanks for the time, man. You bet. That was our good friend Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel. And, guys, I believe – that's going to do it for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thank you for listening again, uh, whatever day it is, whatever time of day it is. Thank you for making part of that day something that you enjoyed with us. We appreciate that. We always do. You can find all of us on Twitter. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govoss247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govoss247. And there is something on that site all day, every day. It refreshes at least once every hour pretty much throughout the day. Uh, Not just Tennessee stuff on there, but mostly, mostly just fall stuff on there. Tons and tons of good stuff. But if you want that best, most delicious, just that purest East Tennessee Mountain Spring Water right from the tap, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, a little baseball recruiting in there for Vitello and those guys. They're doing just a fantastic job on the recruiting trail. Got some stuff on that. We've got stuff on uh, Lady Vols, all things Lady Vols from our own award-winning Maria Cornelius, who does a great job covering all things Lady Vols for us. We've got two forums running around the clock. That would be the Summit, and that would be the Checkerboard. All kinds of stuff on there all day long, as long as it's not political or religious in nature. Fire away. Uh, Don't be afraid to go over there to ask us to do our jobs. If you want to talk Tennessee sports, if you want to talk uh, other sports, if you want to talk about life in general, we got a big thread uh, on there for several several pages on the things that we're growing in, in in our home gardens and stuff this year. All kinds of just weird stuff. What we're watching on TV, movies, uh, things about life. A lot of a lot of big life things that we talk about on there. As long as it's not politics or religion, pretty much anything you want to talk all day long. That's what you pay us for. Go to GoVols247.com. Go to the forums and check them out. And you can have all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all it costs. One of the best deals you could possibly ask for. It's just, it's a really good deal. We let you check it out for free always. We got we got the, the free trial set up there for a week or so. Check us out. Um, but if you stay and you pay us full price, you get access in perpetuity to CBS All Access, or I just should, should say Paramount Plus now. See, I caught myself there again. It used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, but that means even more stuff. 
tons of stuff. Every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. New movies every single month. We've watched the Indiana Jones movies, the wife and I have this week, right there on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, you can go check out things from the uh, from those catalogs of Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, and Comedy Central. Five great stations right there for the whole family. All kinds of stuff. You don't want the whole family looking at all of it. But stuff for the whole family in there. And you get live sports. You get uh, Tennessee sports, SEC sports, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. All kinds of stuff on there. All kinds of stuff. And that's a $100 plus annual value in your pocket. No questions asked. Go check it out. There is no reason not to do that unless you're foolish. And I don't think you're foolish. I think you're smart because you're listening to this podcast. So go check us out. If nothing else, you should hear from us by Monday at the latest unless there's big breaking news before then. So until then, guys... Just uh, be careful out there. Be good to each other. Be good to each other. There's too much stuff going on in the world right now. Be good to each other. PSA over. See you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.